Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Legends of Next Week. I'm your host, Mary. I use she, her pronouns. Kaden, I use she, her pronouns. I'm Kate, and I also use she, her pronouns. And this week, we are joined again by a very special guest, uh, someone we haven't uh, spoken to on the podcast before, but we're so delighted to have her on today. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Emily Cheever. I also use she, her pronouns. I was a writer on Legends for seasons five through the end. Hey. Love it. Yeah, we're so happy to actually have you guys again. <laughs> Lowest common denominator is like one of my favorites. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that episode. <laughs> I, I rewatched it this morning. I know, so it's, such, it's amazing. What always gets me, what really gets me is... um. Spooner just absolutely going full Richard Hatch. Yeah. <laughs> that was like one of our favorite. It was so funny because that was a reuniting with me and uh, James Egan, the writer. And that the other episode we wrote was so much darker and like so much that was um, uh, Bishop's Gambit. And yeah, and it was dark and scary. And I think that both James and I have like a lot of comedic sensibilities that like we couldn't play a lot with in five. I mean, unless you count Carrie coming out of the toilet, which we like talked about for like eight hours <laughs> when we wrote it. But like, uh, yeah, so it was like lowest common denominator was just like really fun to just play with, you know. Um, yeah. Honestly, my favorite thing is like when getting censored every time he was praying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, it was just that a was lot of so fun. much yeah. fun. Yeah, it was so yeah. much fun. It's just genius. All the reality show ness of it all. It's yeah. I mean, what's just so funny is being that person on the outside. Like, what on earth? What is happening? Yeah, because she wouldn't know. Right? I mean, I guess we we had a lot of different. Like, does hell have reality shows? Yes, it does. Or does this just exist? But like, um, I don't watch a ton of reality. I would before I many years before I like came to LA and became a writer I was a tv critic and like recapper and um I really hated watching a lot of reality shows so I had never watched because they made me really anxious and I and I felt really like betrayed by them um because I was like I know that people aren't like this so I didn't watch The Bachelor I didn't watch any of The Real Housewives I didn't want, like, my big reality was, like, competition reality shows. Yes! So, my yeah. favorite show of all time is is Top Chef, frankly. <laughs> and, like, so that one I'm I'm fine with, but there's a lot of tropes that I was just, like, I'm not, like, a connoisseur of reality. So I had my girlfriends when I was writing this episode, and, and actually one of the other writers, Mark Bruner, came up with the idea of a reality show. And... I contacted my girlfriends that are really obsessed with the Real Housewives franchise and they wrote out like, okay, so from this season, you watch this episode, from this season, you watch this episode. And then, um, so I did. And then when I got to set and I was talking with our amazing actresses, like Tala was like, okay, so like, what did you watch? And I was like, these episodes. And we had a break over a weekend and she came back and she's like, that was crazy. She's (laughs) like, I know exactly what you're going for. I was like, okay, good. (laughs) Honestly, uh, I'm giving away my age, but I do remember recall the first real world of yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I the only real world I really was into was New Orleans. Oh, yeah, no, this and was so the one in the first one in New York. Yeah, the very first very one. Fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun doing that kind of research and just being like, wow, why is everyone mad at each other? <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other like kind of zany ideas uh, outside of like some of the Real Housewife stuff that? didn't make it to screen but like some other ideas for reality tv i mean there was um there was a lot like we wanted to like because again i like love the competition we talked about if there was going to be like a competition element of it like when our director kevin mock um who also like you guys know is is you know a legend's the legend Mm -hmm. (laughs) if anyone was like (laughs) um he actually got his start in uh or sorry uh he's not the director of that episode that was directed by eric dean seaton but he's the producing director so he would be on set but he got his start at america's next top model oh i used to watch that yeah yeah as an editor and so we talked a lot about like that kind of space and so we were like are we gonna like you know like get a tyra or whatever you know so (laughs) it was just like uh it was the the problem with that episode is that like it was supposed to be a bo- a bottle. It's a bottle episode, technically. And that means you're kind of like saving a little bit of money so you can go a little bit harder on your other, your mm-hmm. season finales. And, uh, and yes, there was just so many places to go that we really had to just be like, okay, like focus. Like, <laughs> what are our tropes? And it's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gary's the crybaby and Spooner <laughs> is going nude and all of those things. So it ended up, um, you know, being kind of perfect. And then Gideon's the shitster. And then there's like so much other extra um, kind of like B-roll of Nick Zano's noises and Jersey Shoreness. And, like, oh, God. It, that was amazing. He does a he good was, New Jersey accent. He was I'm like, so, I'm proud, Nick. I'm proud. yeah, yeah. yeah. He was so committed and like really in it. And like we got that and, and so like he did this in the script and then he's like, I'll do a little bit more. And we're like, Yeah, okay. And like he's just like screaming and like pushing iron and just like holding it up. And then like during like the camera the camera's not rolling. And he's just because it's like a I mean, not not to put Nick Xano on blast, but like the dumbbell was like a fake dumbbell, but he's always like holding it up. And he's like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> And um, I tell you, I, you know, in this day and age, sometimes you see a beautiful man and you're like, I don't want to like him. And then Nick Sano looks at you and he's just like, hey, what's up? And then you're like, <laughs> Nothing, we, we, yeah. no, we, we get it. We do get this. Absolutely. Yeah, she's so funny. <laughs> it, it was, it's funny. Uh, yeah, it was funny rewatching that because um, um, this summer I binge watched all of Survivor. So. I did that, and then I've been rewatching The Amazing Race because that's a show I grew up with, and it just oh, yeah. it it kind of cracks you because I see those like little elements of reality shows I know, and just like when the interactions, not just on like one show but like multiple shows. I mean, it is a kind of common char- characteristic because of social interaction and being stuck in a place where that kind of if there's yeah, discontent, and- it festers and it boils over. Yeah. yeah, and you exactly. always have the like one jerk in every single. Fa- I think it's multiple now, <laughs> but that one person that like we cannot stand this person, and it. Yeah, I mean, 
Gideon was just like the perfect. We called her the shit stirrer. Oh, she and, was like, definitely that was puck in the she stirred that. Puck. Yeah, and then um, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we. I I do kind of regret we didn't get more of Ava, who was like, but it's such a nuance. <laughs> it was like such a nuanced character because we were like, you're the person like trying to keep it all together, and she's like, so I'm Ava. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes, but more that's one of my favorite lines in the whole episode is i'm turning into the memories of my mom my favorite part and i'll get to this because um <clears throat> this to me was like a really important gary also gary episode where like and we know how much Gary's been picked over every single season whatsoever. And for him to finally get a relationship with a person that actually cares about him, we were like, yay. And we're like, I'm about this relationship. Off the door. And I always say that. And they barged in on them and then like started accusing him of all that stuff. I'm like, oh, Gary. <laughs> that seems incredible. I, 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 I do love the kid. He's like, yes, it was consensual. What the heck? Why, why wouldn't this be? Yeah, it was me who started it. Yeah. I, I do love that compared to like maybe season four, Gary, where he becomes, you know, evil, that he actually grew a spine. He sees this as like standing up for myself finally. And I, um, was that because the alien thing came that like you want guys want their right um gary is more confident guy um that's an awesome question because we definitely talked about it a lot i mean i think it's such a testament to adam that like he started out as like the guy who validates tickets and like he is such a brilliant wonderful artist and person that we were just like we couldn't stop talking about gary and like so there was a point where it was like, well, this guy is not a punchline anymore. He's like, he is Gary and he is part of the team. And um, when we started talking about, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it was, it, it might've been my idea because I was saying it as a joke, <laughs> but there was that moment where in, um, I think it was episode seven where they're both sharing like what, what they love about being human, Gary and Gideon and Gideon, you know, and it's kind of like experiencing the human condition. And I think in the room, I joke pitched like, yeah, would you like to have sex? And like, everyone was like, oh, wait, like, this is like such a perfect, com like, it kind of like was a joke. And then it like, really combined into this, like, oh, yeah, these are two people. These are two beings that like, are really, they share a lot. They share a common bond, like a big part of their common bond is, um, loving the legends and protecting the legends and you know being the most loyal wonderful friends and it kind of so the gary treating gary like a person it just seemed so uh instead of just like oh the the punching bag like especially coming off of season six where he had such a big journey with sarah you know getting abducted and stuff it just i don't know i just like think it was just so logical of just like part of the legends of tomorrow ethos is taking the people and creatures that you want to laugh at but then showing the fact that they can be brave and bold and sexual and you know you know all of those things that like I think a lot of people like forget because it's not it's not easy to just you know get there and um you know and I, I don't know I just like 
I love Gary. I would love to do a spinoff of Gary if Jameson listens <laughs> to this podcast. Love also that. We would love that. We would love a Gary. I'm going to say this on behalf of our um, green shipper who was a green shipper before it happened. Um, Floor has liked this relationship since uh, Gideon dumped Gary in the garbage compactors <laughs> and saw, like, yeah, that was her way of flirting. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah, speaking of that, um, that moment. So yeah, we saw a couple interactions with them in season three with the garbage dumping. We saw season four when they went to go save the Great British Making Show. <laughs> and then, but like they're really their first kind of interaction that was kind of, that was an I Am Legends when they actually when Gary sort of met Gideon in the flesh. Even though yeah. it was a hallucination, it was not. It was, it was not a moment where the writers started to talk about the possibility of them becoming a couple. No, I like because that was that was my first episode, and like so, like yet again, the fans are like already on it. Like, I I don't think that we because um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where it's just like we lived in the room and, and we love our characters so much that like the ideas happen and they just seem so obvious, but we feel like idiots for not thinking of it beforehand. So like it was a while before we were like, oh yeah, Gideon is the big bad, uh, you know, like, and, and it seems so obvious when you think of like, of course, like Gideon like does this journey. And, um, and so when we, <laughs> so it was kind of more of the, the Gary and Gideon, um, line in I am legends that was mostly just like an experiment of like oh we love these two we love these two actors like Amy's in Canada like we should get them because they just seem like they're cute and fun and like and yeah like <sighs> even just thinking like this would be a fun who can help Gary out in this like time and it's just like Gideon because she's awesome and like so it does feel like we're we're right there we like go all the way up to the line of like so this green chip but like we in the in the room in the moment we were like not we had blinders on of just being like yeah and then they like hang out and that's really gary's bunny and like (laughs) that's amazing so but i so that yeah so when they finally got together it was just um fun and obvious and perfect and i loved their i love their romance i think too interesting about their romance is that uh you we didn't want to have Gideon be like um that trope of like sexy baby you know that's like mm, very popular in a lot of stuff yeah, <laughs> for, that. Like, um, for that and that was like that was why we were so nervous because we were like we need someone that like will definitely that we already know is like respectful and emotionally intelligent and not manipulative and like not looking for someone to like you know tell them how wonderful they are and I think those that's that's the other side of the sexy baby kind of stuff is that like oh she needs she really saves the guy and like Gary is so self like affirmed already that like we were we felt a little bit better about like walking into that space of like yeah technically she is you know she's beautiful (laughs) and like it's Amy and and all of those things and she was kind of like born four weeks ago but you know, so we we really had to be gentle about how we approached that relationship, um, and I think it, I think it worked. I think we were we politely sidestepped. Yeah, that I, yeah. I'm glad you didn't go the weird science way where it was like, hi. Yeah, that. yeah. 
honestly, I, I'll go into this one because we have a dear, dear friend who loves Bard and um that whole scene where he goes and that's such a good scene where he breaks down in a uh, lowest common denominator. Um, did you guys discuss that beforehand with Shy? Uh, we know he's a great actor, but was that a journey that you were always planning or did that just come up at the last second? Um, it wasn't the last second, but it definitely like somewhere in the middle of always planning. Uh, I think part of it started when I was on set for Speakeasy Does It. Um, and I was the first writer back on set since COVID happened. So that was like really crazy. And, and I was able to like go and talk to everyone and see how they were feeling. And like, you know, like season six feels like such a fever dream of just like disconnect and, um, and also just aliens are crazy. So <laughs> So it was like a good way of connecting with everyone. And when I was talking with Shy, it was like, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about B. Like, let's talk, talk. And we really talked about both Shy and I have like a lot of, you know, commonalities and, um, I, you know, like I used to be like a pretty big heavy stoner and I'm not anymore, but because of, the ways that it shut me off emotionally and we kind of talked about that and we realized like oh I think this is like a real story here because similarly to what I was just saying about Gary like you know there's the there's the intro to the character and then we want to break out of that and show the real person and we knew that we couldn't play Barad the stoner forever um and so yeah so I came back after this like cool conversation and I was like guys I really think we need like a Barad episode that he is, he is, you know, kind of saving the day, but in a very earnest and sober way. And uh, yeah. And I think we did a really oh, good job in that. Yeah. And that speech, I mean, like that was the hardest yeah. um, monologue that I ever wrote. Cause I'm not like, I try, you know, I always get so nervous writing monologues cause they're really tough, but he did such a really beautiful job and, and I'm really happy with how that he turned out. Me. And the two of them are just like so cute. <laughs> like Esther and Barad. I was like, I'm They're glad so we chose this. <laughs> kind of going along with um the Barad point, since we're we're down this lane. Um that's when we kind of hear about keeping up with the Tarazis for the first time. And so is that something that you and Shai talked about? Was this whole he was recast on his own reality show? Yeah. We were we talked about that also with with um Tala for Zari 2 like it was just the brutality of their childhood and how and I think that we're seeing that in like real time with like seeing a lot of like reality shows your families kind of evolve it's just knowing what we know about influencers and that whole thing now it's just such a cruel way to like exist um and it's such a personal sacrifice. Like it seems very glamorous, but you are personally sacrificing your soul to like television. And yeah. And we were thinking like about, um, we talked a lot about, oh, gosh, the Ozzy Osbourne reality show. Um, yes. I recall. Yeah. Yeah. And how the, the oldest daughter was never in it. She was just like blurred if she was. And yeah, how I remember. that was, yeah, and how that seemed like her, that was absolutely her personal choice and probably like a better choice, but how cruel that also made it feel because she was like disconnecting herself from her family, but we were only seeing like this version of the family. So it was really like, you know, as much as we love 
the Tarazis and love Zari too and like who she is and what she stands for it was also just like kind of looking at this like past and that and and it's seeming very traumatic for both of them um that's fun to like unpack and get into oh definitely a lot of reality shows <laughs> uh just since we're still talking about Barad uh, is was there any more to that like plot line or like a conversation with him and Zari about that something like was this a thread that was planning to be continued in a later um I don't think so I mean like I think that that we had cracked open Barad in that way it was like the opportunity to go big was there um especially in talking about story threads that we we had for season eight and like where he would have aligned himself with our um hypothetical like you know teams um and and stuff so it it was it was more like the goal for that was just to open up the the world of of Barad and open up his journey and um originally you know we were kind of looking at um at the very beginning of the season we were not sure it was kind of a weird journey of like uh, creating contingencies um, just in case like some cast members left and some didn't. And it turns out we didn't need any of those much to our dismay. But uh, so one of the contingency was, was that like the legends was going to just be Spooner and Astra and Gideon. Um, and then how that would relate to Barad if he was going to stay with the new, because we looked at that, like the new generation, like same with like X-Men, like <laughs> they were the new generation of yeah. the wave rider. And, um, and yeah. And so like a lot of our Barad conversations was like, well, does Barad count as a new or old gen? Because in our TV minds, he's kind of new, right? Because he only started coming around in five, but like, also <laughs> kind of technically in legends canon like he's been around since the beginning so we were that was really throwing us for a loop of being like which which subset does Barad you know belong to um but we had for in terms of those common denominator we had a lot uh more about Astra well it started as a totally different thing of her relationship with um the uh Giles Patton plays him I'm forgetting his character name now but he uh just a totally different relationship with that guy um the the TV executive um because for a while we were thinking well what if he's like an old lover and that's like the dynamic there and that got really complicated with all the other stuff going around like it was like fine when you talked about it on paper and like backstory and then when you were like looking at okay we have to write this and like under 51 pages and <laughs> under an hour we were like okay we gotta <laughs> we gotta get rid of some of this stuff so that was like the biggest stuff that I feel like I remember being kind of cut out of that emotional component of that episode was that there was a lot more of the like astro complication but we felt really much more comfortable in like focusing it on um astro and Barad and specifically Barad's emotional journey on that so I got so I'm kind of gonna take a little off show for a sec so was there a show a movie or a book that got you into writing professionally uh whoa uh a lot i i have a few like touch points <laughs> that's okay um, that's fine so i think like as a child the first the big thing i remember was wishbone that was very important to me 
Um, and, <laughs> uh, because I wasn't allowed to watch a ton of TV it, and I lived out in the middle of the country. So it was, I didn't yeah, have yeah. a lot of access, yeah, access to movies either. So it was like a lot of books and Wishbone was like a dog and books. Like, heck yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> sign me up. Um, but then as I got older and in high school, I just wrote, I ended up writing all the school plays and stuff. So that kind of started to open me up and I was like a really big fan of um, Much Aligned. I haven't watched it. I haven't given like a, a forgiving eye to it, but people make fun of it. But Garden State was very important to me. Like I didn't know that you could like write an emotional experience like that. And, um, you know, so it, it was just like kind of that indie phase of movies, like focus features and Little Miss, you know, all of that stuff, like, when I finally could drive to the blockbuster and just like rent all Miramax and focus features movies, like that was it for me. Um, so I never thought about, but I really never thought about writing TV. I was like so movie focused that when I went into college, that was my, my major was feature writing. And, and it wasn't until I was in college that I actually was like, Oh, the, the experience of writing television is kind of so much more fun. It's with a giant group of people and they can help you out when you're in a story jam and and I always just think that like art it should be collaborative and that's kind of how I, I don't believe in auteur theory as much as I used to um so it was really fun to just get to college and be like oh no but you could do this with like a bunch of your friends and that part was really great so and then once I started getting obsessed with tv lost is like lost is my ultimate favorite super television show and i hope they I never have many feelings it, about that one but... <laughs> <laughs> i mean watcher. i and i tried and i rewatched it over the pandemic and i loved it still <laughs> even though the last season is like oh, we gotta go over season, here that's Wait, what we... gets me no what yeah, gets well... me was the writers being like it, everybody guessed it like within I remember this. Guess what it was? It's not that. And it was exactly that. And I was like, well, it, it was, but it wasn't right. Like, so it's like to me, if you just think about lost is like, because very clearly, I think I remember reading once and this is all speaking tales out of school. Like, I don't know. I don't know anyone that wrote on that show, but from what I've heard is that they only wanted it to be like three seasons. And the network is like, you can't, you can't stop this gravy train. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? And they were like, no, but we only have, like, this story for three seasons. And so they kept on having to, like, change oh, their that's probably around. Why. Okay, thanks. So that's yeah, why I kind of, like... Sense. That does explain uh, a lot. Yeah, and then... Um, but to me, Lost means... It's, like, one of... It's such a hard thing to, like, play in, in narrative, but it's, like... It's the whole thing of a second chance. The island means second chances for everyone. And I think that, like that's a really heady and like fascinating idea for like a network show that happened in the early aughts, you know, it's just like so ahead of its time and very cool. Um, but it also had Sawyer. So <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a show now and if the, I'm writing this like guest star role, and if I don't get Josh Holloway in that role, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. I was like, I just want, they're like, you're, I'm like, not at the level where I could be making that those decisions, right? Like, I'm just like, what if this? And they're just like, you don't know anything, little girl. But I'm just like, I just want to know what he smells like. Like, come on. <laughs> That's so valid. That is valid. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Okay, so we're going with the show and writing. Um, who is your favorite character to write for on the show? On Legends? Yes, on Legends. Oh, um, I, I don't know. They're all so fun. I loved writing for Constantine. Um, he was awesome. Uh, Matt Ryan is just like the coolest guy. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, if like the character I enjoyed most in the last season and then like the one I really couldn't wait for more was, was Gideon. Like she's so funny. Amy is so game to like play in the sandbox and, you know, going back to that, you know, the whole sexy baby trope. I think that she did such a cool job of being like quizzical about the world around her while also not being naive. And I found that like such a cool female that you don't, you don't really see women get to like play inquisitive anymore you get they're usually like you know like the nerdy girl that's like whisked into adventure or you know like she's so powerful and then she's the smartest person in the world and she has no faults and like both of those are fine but like I just feel like Gideon was like really riding that in-between space of just like humble in the fact that she doesn't know what she doesn't know but also she is like deeply powerful and um you know like what a joy like that's the kind of character you want to write in any kind of superhero kind of canon and and I really like couldn't wait to write more of that and see how she grows and, and stuff and I also really loved and it was so fun writing for Zari too I think for that same reason it's like a, a space not usually occupied by women which was like like moving out of her ditziness when when Constantine died and like she like kind of restarted over I feel like that I love just writing characters when they're like in that change space and like they're experimenting new forms of what they want to be and who they want to be and, and all that stuff and Tala is like such a profound actress and really pretty <laughs> she's fun <laughs> so. she's amazing she is amazing Every every version of Zari that Tala played was incredible. Yeah. I mean, like, we were like, let's, you know, it's almost like to her credit, and I'm sure she would have, like, hated us by the end of it, but we were like, yeah, let's just, like, keep on making different Zaris. And, like, she's, like, the amount of time that she has to spend, like, going in and out of hair and makeup and costume, she would have, like, been like, stop. Like, <laughs> there can't be infinite Zaris. <laughs> Oh, but the fight was so funny. That fight so funny. That between the two Zari and Robo Zari is the funniest yeah. fight ever. Yeah, just it, it almost kind of starts to delve into that um the multiverse of wells that the flash does in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be cool to see a council of Zaris, though I gotta admit that much. That's a good to guns ears, rather. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true <laughs> <laughs> i don't know guys <laughs> uh, so kind of now that we're talking about like different versions of the same character in a way although they're not obviously not the same character but same actor right you said you really enjoyed writing for constantine how was the shift of going from constantine to gwyn <laughs> and like I mean, character coming about that was really but I mean, I think that due to things that we couldn't control that I probably can't talk about probably no, about like <laughs> we okay, great. So we had to say goodbye to Constantine and we didn't want to. And I don't think anyone wanted to. And look how great that turned out. Um, I'm not bitter about it, I swear. 
You're and allowed. That is not, you are allowed. <laughs> and that is not the low key reason why we had a bad robot be a villain for the next season. But you can kind of take that context. Wait, Anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, we didn't want to. We didn't want to say goodbye to Constantine, but we are the only. And and but that was just because it's like Matt Ryan is so fun and he's so smart and like really really freaking good. So. Um, it was really fun to say he was like i still want to work on the show we said great we don't want to say goodbye to you either like who do you want to play and it was really like i commend a lot of i think that matt and phil had a lot of time together just like really creating gwen from the ground up in a way that was like very cool and organic um of just like things that you don't get to see a lot anymore in this space. I've just like two creatives working together. And, and so I, I believe how it went was like, Matt had a book of poems from that era and was like, yeah. I really was reading these poems and really connecting with them. And that was kind of the beginning. So it started with, with poetry and it kind of grew into this very fascinating character that like, we wanted to take it as far away from Constantine as possible um and give this character like opportunity to like grow in this season and if he if he liked playing Gwen like grow like more largely you know like largely in the space I think we also discussed like how we kind of had a lack of we have a lot of really strong LGBTQ plus representation but we didn't have a gay man like it was like where's our guys so we like we're really excited to tell, uh, you know, male, gay male specific stories with him as well. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of how that could evolve over the space. So it really was like, I, I really credit Phil and, and the executive producers and Matt with like creating such a interesting nuanced character that you like hear about. I mean, we only meet him in like, I think episode four or mm-hmm. five maybe. Yeah, so like, they- yeah. yeah, but then he like becomes such an impact, and I think. Oh my god! Just, like, everybody fell in love with him at, at first. Like everybody was like, "Protect Quinn," and I we all forgot it was Matt Ryan. Like, oh. yeah, I mean, like we because in the room we were so worried because we you know we wrote a bunch of episodes before we were filming, and we were so worried that like it's going to be too obvious because we didn't want to do like a well, I don't think we were allowed to do a Constantine relation. And so we were like, okay, so we can't be like, this is the great grandfather, whatever of Constantine. And then we couldn't, and then we didn't want to do anything like, like we had with um, uh, Maisie, Maisie's character, Charlie in the Mm -hmm. past. Um, So it was just like, okay, like, how do we call out the fact that this is like the same actor, but like, we didn't even need to because he's so different. I mean, like, it was just like night and day and you didn't, you maybe noticed it first and then you go, oh, whoa. And like fantastic beard, and um, you know, it was just like, yeah, I, that's such a good actor. Like, it's just like I can't even tell. Okay, the and, fact uh, that you yeah. had Gary, like, who loved Constantine, <laughs> saying that looks like Mick, made me laugh so hard. That was the bit. So, like, that was like how we were like we were skirting around, and we were like, let's just make it a joke about like how he reminds us of someone we know, but we don't, we can't put our finger on it, and like, <laughs> it works so well. Zari would have like been like, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I think it's just, but, you know, I think he works so well as just himself, you know, Gwen, but you don't really think about it too hard. Thank God. (laughs) 
so your first episode as a legend writer that was i am legends right mm-hmm. so how did that one kind of come about um well i had been uh long and the short of it is i was i was trying to break into a writer's room for many 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 years and i finally uh got in on the legends room as the writer's pa and a lot of when a room is run well and run by really supportive people and they have the opportunity, they do what's called a freelance episode. And that is typically given to someone, the person who writes it is the person like not hired in the staff. And that's typically given to your assistants or support staff is what it's called. Um, and <laughs> I was cleaning up after the writers one day, not that they were messy or anything. I was just like, <laughs> you know, like doing my grocery list and stuff. And me and the writer's assistant, Leah, are just like gabbing about whatever in the um, kitchen. And Phil comes in and like my patron saint, Phil Clemmer, comes in with his tea and he goes, yeah, so we were thinking maybe you guys write this one. And then he just like walks out as if he didn't just like grant our dreams. Like it was like, <laughs> Phil, like that's like a big deal. Like he didn't, and we were just like, like slack jawed. And being like, did that just happen? Like, is this thing happening? Because, you know, both Leah and I had been working, you know, really hard. And that is like the door getting kicked open. And so, yeah. And so then the next day, like, we were we were in the room proper, like, you know, and we're, you know, uh, you're allowed to speak, but like, it was like, we were allowed to like, have our own ideas and, and all of those things. So it was just um, so crazy it was it just happened really quickly I think we found out in October and then I was like on a plane to Canada in December um, and um, we wrote it with Ray Utarnichet who is like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so amazing and he is so supportive and he's like so wise and he taught me so much about writing that like I didn't even know where my blank spots were and he was just like so wonderful about like bringing me into like this is how you produce and this is and he showed me how to be on set which I'd never been on before and um and everybody's obsessed with him if you meet Ray and go anywhere with Ray you will know that like the world loves Ray like Ray is the greatest man alive of and uh yeah so it was just it went and and it also was like a special endeavor too because that episode was being directed by one of our editors Andrew Cash who I don't know if you guys have talked to but he so he is also like in a space of like directing is a big deal and he had um directed the uh Lucho Libre episode I think in the previous season but (sighs) so it was like a lot of people that like were doing things that are like kind of their big dream under the auspices of like under a caring community of the legends so it really felt like support and like everybody's there for you and everybody's cheering for you and you got to do this crazy thing and like we all loved you know like writing about zombies and um we had so many conversations to be in leah's especially about like how did we want to play like constantine and zari like are they like just hooking up or are they falling in love? And it was like really divided in the room. I'm just like falling in love and like they're just hooking up. But like, yeah, it just ended up being truly like the most wonderful and grateful moments of my life. And then, um, and then the last thing I did in public before the world shut down was to go look at like the sound cut in a, in an office, in like a, in an editing room. 
And I saw Phil and Ray and I was just like, guys, I hope I don't have to cancel my wedding. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like it's going to suck. And I was like, well, maybe I'll see you next week. And then it was like, and they did not see each other. For- <laughs> oh, no. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the I Am Legend is, is my fond memories of the before times. But it was oh. it was really lovely. Okay. Um, how many zombie films slash TV did you watch before doing all this? So I can't. I don't even know if I can quantify it. So many. I mean, <laughs> Train Train to Busan was a big one, oh, and yeah. I am a um Edgar Wright fan. So we I watched Shaun of the Dead like three times. Yes, and, thank you. I love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and we were also just like, and if you watch like in slow mo, the extras around when they're at the car place, the junkyard. Um, all of the some of the zombies are dressed up like famous zombie auteur filmmakers. So you'll see a George A. Romero, and I'm forgetting the other ones. That was like Andrew Cash's like very nerdy, cool. That's amazing. Brain. Um. So yeah, a lot. It was really fun, and I'm not like really a horror gal. Like, so it was really funny running I Am Legends and then Bishop's Gambit later because I feel like those were both like low-key scary and, and I'm not like a low-key scary person so I was like watching all this stuff to research like through my fingers like okay okay and then that, you know like taking notes and being like oh, <laughs> taking notes um but you know zombies are fun it's it's hard not to love a good zombie yeah it's we just um had our abominations episode and um I'm also not a huge horror buff um, but Mary here is really into horror <laughs> film and cinema and gave me a great, um, a rundown over, was it Night of the Living Dead, right? Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. It was just so great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like we, one of my favorite LA moments was we, uh, if you guys come out, there's like a, and Senespia and they watch movies in the cemetery here and it's really really fun yeah and you, like, I heard about that. Your... it's so fun and we did um, one of my first experiences was seeing Night of the Living Dead in the cemetery just my and it was dream cold. it was like Amazing. so fun yeah and you just like bring a picnic and then everyone like quotes along because they're like they're coming to get you Barbara and all those things and it was like <laughs> it was great so um yeah so like it's funny, like, I, I feel like I, I'm like, oh, I'm not a horror kid. And then it's like, well, I do put myself in those situations where I end up seeing a lot of horror movies. So oh, horror, it always sneaks up on you. I can't think of a better place to watch, like, Land of the Living Dead than in a cemetery with that opening. Yeah. It's like when um, the rec center near me, like, showed movies at the pool and they chose Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great taste right there. That's really funny, Yeah. <laughs> That would be like someone showing children of the corn in the Midwest at a corn maze. At a corn maze. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like, I don't, I've don't. i never heard of someone doing that. They need to get on doing that in the Midwest because they can make a lot of money off that. Backyard movies are like, honestly, when during the pandemic, we uh, got a projector and I have like my, I have a tiny little yard and like, is to the back of my garage it's a separated garage and we got we hooked it up so we could watch movies in the backyard um with my friends like you know like 12 feet apart or whatever and it ended up like making everything worth it and so i just feel like outdoor movies are the way to unless you're like really going to be nerdy and when you're like what's the resolution and all that stuff it's like 
no, if you get a bottle of wine and like a little charcuterie board and you watch a movie outside, it's like the most yes. perfect moment of life. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, I guess I'm trying to transition that to kind of one of my next questions. He, he had a projector. Bishop is one of my favorite villains that we've ever had on Legends. I <laughs> find him so incredibly entertaining and also extremely menacing compared to some yeah. of the other ones we've had. Um, I just want to know the process of how do you create a character like that? Like, I how does was he started? Was he envisioned as the big bad of that season? Um, yes, I think that like that was a weird season. Um, just like where we were, but we were talking a lot about. Um, so one of the things we were talking about was like planning this so we planned like part of the season then the shutdown mm-hmm. happened then it was like okay production's not gonna happen for a while until we figure out how to you know make a tv show in covid and he, i think that it started off with Grania godfrey an amazing woman she watched ex machina and she was t- i don't know if you guys have seen it but there's that scene um where what's his face oscar isaac is dancing and it's like so sexy oh, and like so menacing that's... at the same time and she like comes in the room and she's like, what if our villain danced? <laughs> we were like, okay, yeah. <laughs> we were like, sure. But then we were like, wow, like what if he was like a groovy guy? And then a lot of it was born after like the idea of just like, we knew we were d- going to do like, you know, alien abduction. So we were like, who is this? Like, who is a sexy star man? And so it was like a little bit. So it was like, a little bit of David Bowie and a little bit of Oscar Isaac and a little bit of just like kooky weirdness. Like you kind of want to like kiss him, but you don't want to kiss him. And like, I, so it, it kind of, it was really fun writing. Like the idea of him was like, you didn't really know his motivations until he like revealed it to you with pride. And that is always really fun as a villain because you know, if you keep them quiet for, or you keep them like esoteric for a while until they want to reveal their evil plan to you, you have a lot of space to play. Like, who is this guy, and and what are his weaknesses, and and all of those things. So, it really was fun to kind of play with. Like, why would he tell Sarah that he abducted her? And you know, like, what is this space, and where is he from? So. It was our basic directive is just like, what if a villain danced and it kind of <laughs> blossomed out of there? This is so funny because one of our friends, um, who's been on the podcast, made the comparison. Is like, yeah, Bishop's kind of like Oscar Isaac and Ex Machina. So, do you know that yeah. is the inspiration? And it's absolutely oh the inspiration. That's incredible. <laughs> He's gonna love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm and getting... it was great because it was also just you know in the very beginning of that season too. Thank God our actors were dating and married to so many other actors because we were like, we should, great. We should, yeah. <laughs> Who do you want to quarantine with? <laughs> oh. Rafi is just amazing. Like, beyond. Oh. And we always laugh at that scene where um, Paula and them are just arguing because when you know they're together, you're like, that's so not funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, that is part of the st- uh, what I found Bishop such a captivating villain of the way is that he is that really fun villain. And then, like, then you see what his plan is like, Sarah, you die. And it's like, and now yeah, I yeah. made you a clone. And then it's like, <laughs> literal, like, pull the curtain back up. Oh, no, this is bad. 
This yeah, is so much crazy. worse than we thought. It almost, <laughs> it almost feels a little more satisfying when you see a goof when you see a villain that starts out kind of all goofy and forgive me here i will invoke the bbc sherlock's moriarty in this the kind of goofiness but then you see the sinisterness underneath it it just hits that in so much more for me just because of that goofy and ridiculous outside that they're still able to like have this um almost I don't know what the word is. Is it like kind of a maniac happiness in spite of what they're doing? It's that's the true yeah, scary part of villains like that. Yeah, he's like, he's got a sense of humor about how he's going to kill you. Like, and that's like, so <laughs> I don't know. And then there's also the idea of like, if the goofier they are when you meet them, the less of a threat they are, which is why it's so much scarier when they surprise you with being a threat. And yeah, so it's just like, that that was so fun and seeing his groovy dances. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and then what is it? It's not that there will be brood. It's the one right before that, which is he has a little Hannibal Lecter moment where he's in a cell and everyone so keeps going in as the Clarice. Yeah, uh, uh, so good. Okay, one of my other favorite episodes is Speak Easy Does It because you had that um whole scene with Nate and Gary that. I just love and how do you guys come about that um we knew this about Gary but I appreciate you coming out with that he's a bottom submissive well I mean like I think that that was that was also really fun um that was my first episode I wrote like officially as a staff writer so um yeah. Yeah, so the the other I am Legends Ambitious Gambit. I was the assistant, and then I was like officially promoted up. So that was like a big episode. And I said I don't want to make Ava cry because I've done that already twice, and I people don't like that, <laughs> and I don't like that. Even though Jess is a fantastic actress, I was like I'd rather watch more fun. So we were like that was a directive. But then also at that point in the season, we were kind of aware that um, Nick was going to be moving on. Um, to bigger and brighter and more wonderful things and uh so we wanted to kind of like get in the water like uh the I, like Nate's kind of psychology and we were really thinking about Nate and we were like oh my god like this guy like does he choose women that he knows he can't have and why hasn't anyone said that like why hasn't anyone been like why are you doing this and and I and so it just seems so obvious that of course Gary, like a man, a well, a being, um, an alien, <laughs> comfortable in the like, yeah, yeah, who's just like, yeah, I'm a submissive. Like that is my whole thing. Like to be like this is he's comfortable in his own thing, and then like to then bring it out on Nate and just be like, wait, you're not comfortable in the fact that you're obviously choosing this like unavailable woman to like, and and we I love that scene so much too because. Of course, the two of them love each other, and like it ended up being so. I was like, you could probably hear me laughing in the back of the end of that scene. <laughs> like, it's. I just think what was so satisfying about that scene is that it just seemed like Gary knows everything about everyone because he's always been watching and he's always been shipping and all of those things. And for Nate to be so surprised by Gary's astute nature 
in is kind of like tender it's kind of like a you know like also like a male friendship moment you don't see a lot on television and uh and that also was just like really fun but yeah it was just like yeah Nate like (laughs) yeah honestly um when they first came up with the name uh scary friendship way back when we were always disappointed that that was kind of dropped after a while yeah we were glad it was brought back I love that friendship is great great friendship it's great I mean like the problem is is that like all of our cast are friends with each other so it's like we all want to see them in different dynamics and it's like why do we have such a giant cast because you want to see these two together and you want to see it and frequently like how we would write an episode is like okay who haven't we seen together in a while and it's like okay let's put them together because you know and and yeah that's like and I think that like that's the curse and the boon of like having such a large cast at that point because you can make variations forever and they would always be fun and satisfying and create those moments where like you know it's just like an honest emotional moment between two characters and I think isn't that the same the same episode with when 1.0 Zari is like did you and Gary hook up I won't be mad (laughs) I I just have questions (laughs) yes (laughs) Um. That episode's so funny. <laughs> that, yeah, was, that was also, a fun episode. Sorry. Oh no, that's um, kind of picking off Speakeasy does it. Uh, we f- we found Maud to be very the character of Maud to be wonderful this episode. Um, so how do you think that she kind of changed that dynamic that was going on between Astra and Spooner and Gideon after when they're arriving to catch up with everyone else? That's a great question. Um, Maude played by Aubrey, Adam Sheckman's girlfriend in real life, as you know, uh, who's so pretty. <laughs> and she's so nice. And they have a cute dog. Um, I think that her appearance, I mean, what we loved about that whole dynamic is I think that for Spooner, too, in her evolution as a character, we're seeing Spooner, like, take in the world for the first time in a way that is like very much like almost like becoming very comfortable with herself and Astra um, and then we're see- also seeing like Astra becoming the protector and so this was written in the in the time of the season where we were really trying to get in the water of the idea of like these these Astra and Spooner are the next co-captains um, which wasn't ultimately needed um, by the end, but that was in case that that was going to be how it worked. Like we wanted to say, like, okay, we had this like contingency plan, and um, and so we wanted to kind of start creating that dynamic between like where is the tension here and where is the tension elsewhere. And both of these women have had really complicated childhoods and uh, relations in talking with other people and being out in the world i mean like astros raised in hell and spooner like heard aliens i mean those things are like really tough so like seeing them moving throughout the world especially under the caveat of it being 1925 and not easy for a woman of color to just be moving about um we wanted to just bring in this like tension that will kind of always be there but this communal effort because first and foremost like the two of them, if they are going to be co-captains, like it was all about like, we are, we are strong women and we are capable of creating a community. And that was like always the vibe. Um, and then 
the fact that then Gideon was involved with it and just like being the kind of, if Astor had one way of doing things and Spooner had the other way of doing things, like Gideon was just going to go on and do the middle way of doing things. So I think that was just like a really fun pivotal moment in terms of just like seeing how both women are relating in positions of like power and control. And um, I think it just like ended up being really fun and it made me be like, yes, like I would watch this forever. I would watch their dynamic and forever and how they solved kind of whatever mysteries as the song goes. Um, And yeah. Sorry, I just like processing that answer. Like, yeah, it's That's like, really it, I really do think of that because Gideon, I think back to the hundreds when she's debating between the two um, possible roads to take in that, and then how like she just moves up from there going on. Yeah. I just, I just really love seeing season seven Gideon coming into reality and and kind of and quickly picking up how to become human sorting through emotions versus logic because that's an argument that i feel a lot of people kind of have to have with themselves when they realize it or not um and how they choose to be in life oh absolutely and that was like it's so important because also at that point i i think and i definitely think you could tell in season six and seven like how we were really in our feelings like because yeah. we were, you know and and the most important thing was that like we kind of explained that like these terrible things can always happen to you and it could always and in a in a very dark way like it could always get worse but like the thing that you always have to anchor yourself with is the positive things that you love and that's your your found family or the th- you know like a hobby or something like you can you always root yourself in love and then you can kind of spiral out and like that was really what we wanted our legends to kind of always confront and especially those two seasons is just like even no matter how chaotic everything can be like you you have your your bases of of centeredness and and never lose sight of those things mm-hmm. love them all so much <laughs> i know Sorry, yeah, I was too. You have, but you have for seven seasons, and yeah, they come and go, but they're still, they're just like, I love all of them in their own ways. I know. Um, maybe a movie. Speak- <laughs> yeah, community. Six seasons, seven <laughs> exactly. seasons in a movie. Six Actually, seasons in a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, speaking of community, and I really appreciated this in the background of Speakeasy Does It, I feel like nobody notices that you had a non binary, like, extra. That I I noticed them right away with the dress, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, that's so good." Well, I mean, I think for us too, there was actually a lot of conversation about that because it was, oh, is this historically accurate? And like, yes, <laughs> the non-binary people and trans people have been around forever. Exactly. It is not a new thing, um, and. And so it was just like, that was like the reason it was just like, yes. And if anyone tries to fight us on the historical context of this, first of all, go second egg. Second I, of I, all, like, look it up. And third of all, like, <laughs> like we're legends. We do what we want. Like, and and like, <laughs> honestly, the, he did mention in that episode, it is a speakeasy for people who wouldn't normally go to the regular speakeasy. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I like, yeah. It took my second watching to notice them, and I was like, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, they were fabulous. Yeah, it was really fun. I forgot where we were on the question list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If we're talking background, uh, I have to do a quick tangent. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So in terms of background details, one of the background details in Lois Common Denominator is Vandal knows best with like this cartoon of Vandal Savage. I I just need to know everything about that. I don't even know if there is anything. Okay. I just think it's it was my favorite background detail. Um when you can get if you guys ever talk to James, I don't know if you've already had talked to James. Uh, if you can get him to laugh, it's like angel sent from heaven. It's like so pure um, because he's really like, usually he just sits there and he thinks about something and and I'm like a thinking and talking kind of person and he's like calm thinking and then sometimes he goes, <laughs> and then you're like, yay! <laughs> and um, he's just the best but I have no, almost never heard him laugh harder than when we got those posters back from set they were like, what about these? <laughs> and he was like, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, one was um, Vandal knows best. And that, yeah, all of these are like presumably like shows in hell. Um, we had one, uh, Dr. People Popper. <laughs> which was a doctor. <laughs> oh, I saw that one. And that one was featured with um, our our old writer Ty Carter on that because he used to really love Doctor Pimple Popper, and so that was our ode to Ty. Um, I can't remember what the other ones were. I I'd have to look. I could send you probably the the extra photos um, if I find them in my email. But uh, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah, yes, they were tweeted. So they're just like all just yeah. What what fun little things. Um, in the background and then and it just makes me think of like where did those go like does somebody have those i don't know <laughs> if someone has vandal knows best i need that yeah that's someone in canada i i, I genuinely like... believe mary will pay money <laughs> i will yeah. pay money for that it feels I like mr rogers from the upside down yes exactly <laughs> yeah i wonder like because i know that they occasionally have like sales from old shows and like think like oh like here's like a fire sale and it's just like how many private jokes are people like looking through and like vancouver being like what is this <laughs> and it's just like that's a legend's private joke don't worry about it <laughs> the dream yeah oh um, actually i don't i also <clears throat> another thing i noticed is the whole gwyn finding out that gary was an alien is like, <laughs> i literally just... facing and i'm like Nobody noticed him popping back up, and I find that <laughs> uh, Were you guys planning like a different, like him kind of really, really freaking out at some point? Uh, no, I think that was like a. This is the moment you find out and come to terms with it. <laughs> I think that was it. I don't think you know. I think Gwen Gwen was really along for the ride. <laughs> Honestly, no, and I, you do have that scene. I forgot where they're working together, so it must have been confusing. <laughs> Poor Gwen, thinking Gary's probably the most normal person here that doesn't have visible powers. In yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it's not a perfect moment, but it's our moment, and we gotta keep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that had me laughing so very hard. Were you guys also planning on having Alan in? was common denominator or was it always planned later um sorry who 
uh, Alan. Alan? Oh, yeah. It was always going to be a little bit later um, because we wanted, we were still unsure of like, there was a lot of conversation at the latter half of that season of like how sad we wanted to go (laughs) with that storyline, honestly. Because like the last thing we wanted to do is like kill your queers. Like that's just like not the vibe we give. Um, uh, despite what people think, if Bishop's Gambit counts as that, which I assume it doesn't. But uh, yeah, so we didn't want to be like, oh yeah, and then Alan's dead. Like that was, it just felt like that was not what we would do. It was the obvious answer, but like you know, because we wanted to keep went on for as long as we wanted to be on. So. There was just a lot of conversation of like, what shape is this going to take, and how is Alan going to be along for the ride forever? Like, you know, like, so I think that that was like still our hanging chad for like the next season, if it was going to happen, was like, what are we going to do with Alan? Because we want this to be a real life story about these two men in love, but we also like weren't sure about how much we wanted to expand our cast even though the actor is amazing and like yes. you know so it was kind of like what do we do with Alan and then it was like never mind we'll figure it out when <laughs> next season starts <laughs> I keep on saying this as a joke I'm like poor Alan joins the crew just to get arrested and he didn't do anything he didn't do anything that poor man poor man well we were also thinking like maybe he's like what you're like I need to you know like be quiet you know like alan's whole thing was like he needs to be quiet for a little bit he's like lived through trauma and, and so yeah and then we were thinking like a Absolutely. also just a very funny like off-screen breakup with like one sentence i'm just like yeah it didn't work out like and that was it i don't know Honestly, we were like oh, that that would be really funny <laughs> i know oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the sitcom show of the kid that goes upstairs and doesn't come back. Yeah, that he never came back down. Oh, beauty from family. If if a breakup had happened, I would hope they don't leave him in time jail when the breakup. Oh happened. no, we would we would have like settled him off in like a nice little cottage. Okay, but we were like, yeah, what if it like didn't break out? It didn't work out. They broke up, and like Gwen spent the summer in Providence, just like living that like p-town life he got really into drag like you know like i don't know we were like it could be possible like he's in, that he's in his awakening era we're <laughs> okay new question for twitter gwen's drag name gotta know <laughs> that's a great question for twitter. <laughs> incredible question we're gonna we're gonna have to put that well, in the episode. we did have like head cannon of gary taking him to his gay bar at some point oh I yeah we do have the Drag queen Gary had kids. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, he did feel beautiful, and he had a beautiful singer inside that never got. <laughs> now I know what that means, and I'm slightly, I'm slightly not as innocent as I once was. <laughs> then again, that implies I was innocent in the first place. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. We're just processing. I know. I'm just thinking I'm about like, it. I, I love it. My no musical no episode. We want our body switch up. Yeah, no, our idea was literally after um Adam played Tala playing him that everybody oh should God. be just when switching goes- with each other. Yeah, <laughs> that was so everybody funny. should just switch with each other, or Adam should just play everybody. Like they all put the glasses on, and he has to. 
we were i mean season eight was gonna be so buck wild i i think that we were uh i, I mean I was surprised that we didn't get to do season eight. I was really excited about uh, what was going to happen. Um, you know, never say never. Like, who knows? The world is chaos all the time. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we were really excited. I was really, really excited about Booster Gold. I love Booster Gold. Yes, and I thought Donald Faison was, like, such the perfect person to play him. Like, I just... it made me so happy when I when I realized like we were finally getting him and how like obviously this man should be on our show he's like so perfect for it and in a classic legends way I mean we're starting with a guy that can be like reduced down to this like you know brash uh, overconfident kind of shape and how we could break him and build him back up as a legend was like so interesting to me. Yeah, the best intro too ever. It was so yes. fun. So good. It was so good. So, um, you know, season eight, it was going to be like a little bit about, you know, it, it, and I don't know how anybody would have felt about it, but it was going to be a little bit of the booster show, but in a way that right. I think that was obviously going to feel like refreshing and fun. And also like we were really pushing Sarah and Ava into this like whole new universe and, um, you know, and whatever that would entail about like, we really had a lot of conversations about like what kind of parents are you going to be like are they were they going to be and then and it kind of was was clear about and talking with the parents of our room was just like well you kind of don't know until you like are in it and mm-hmm. um and so like how much of of being in it were we going to see were we going to see like sarah being i kind of my head canon for sarah was that she like was trying to do her usual stuff but she's like so pregnant so she's like still a ninja but she's like pregnant and then Ava but Ava also like I think there was a chance for like it to be the opposite where she gets Sarah gets really nervous all of a sudden and then Ava is the one that like is a little bit more of the cool relaxed you know mom and um because you just don't know like and that was a a cool opportunity for us to play like if if characters were going to change in those ways yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, we were, I think we were looking into going after Jeff Bezos. We were going to have a Bezos y. I mean, like, Bishop was already kind of Bezos y, but it was yeah. going to be more Bezos. It was going to be more, you know, big, com- like, corporation kind of thing. <laughs> if there had been an Austin Powers joke, I would have probably peed myself laughing. <laughs> Honestly, though. No. Again, I will always laugh that Legends left off like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'll always laugh. It's so arrested. Mm-hmm. Just got arrested, and then it, well, like it really was like um, you know, it was I, I suppose it was a little hubris, but we had no when the when the script came out and the, and the thing was filmed, we had no inclination. We were pretty sure that we were going to get another season. So it's just like, wouldn't it be funny if they canceled us now? <laughs> so, I mean, Lord knows. I, you know. In a way, it. it's kind of perfect of how Legends ended. It, like, it feels so Legends. Like, it feels like just when we think that we're like, we're doing great. And our ratings were like better than ever. And we were like, woo, like, we're the- <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And like, it was like, no. <laughs> 
it's so it's kind of Toy Story moment when Woody's watching um the show and then like that's it they canceled it. <laughs> yeah. I and, and I yeah okay oh, oh no I was gonna say there's like this YouTube video of this guy who edited the end of Toy Story three that like they all fell in at the end and showed it to his parents I'm like that's what the Legends finale was and it's like wait that's not the ending. <laughs> Oh, God, a little bit. Oh, amazing. Sorry, I mean, go ahead. I think there's always going to be a space for legends. I think that, like, we have the writers love it enough, the fans love it enough, the actors love it enough. I think everybody, the, the special sauce of that show is that, like, the people that were in on it loved it to pieces. So, um, you never, you never know. Like, I'm, I, maybe it's silly to still have hope I mean I have to work so I'm on another thing now but like I will always think that like there's always going to be a space for legends um so as long as we can kind of keep hope alive in in a in a nice way that doesn't make us go crazy then that's perfect but yeah uh I think there's just so much space for a spinoff why would you why would you get Donald Faze on as Mr. Gold if you're not gonna like do something fun with it I don't know I don't know. <laughs> can I? Uh, I don't know how much. Um, I don't know how much you know, or how much you can or can't say. Like, so Booster Gold is Rip's father in the comics. Was that ever going to come up, or was that like we're going to make this break from canon? I don't. I think that we talked a lot about that. I don't remember where we settled. I think we said it was going to be a break from canon. Mm-hmm. But if we were going <laughs> to, I mean, this is the classic Legends answer. If we were going to bring it up, it was going to be a joke <laughs> of being like, yeah, uh, <laughs> like we look just alike. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that, I think, yeah, it was, I think we were going to, if we really needed to explain it, it was going to be a crisis of Earth's divergent mm-hmm. excuse, which we don't really think about too much. And we just drive past it really fast. <laughs> I can't help but think in my mind, um, well, one, just them making jokes the whole season about how, yeah, he kind of reminds you of someone, doesn't he? I don't know, but also makes me think about how um, when Crisis of Infinite Earths happened, if maybe this booster was actually Rip's father in another universe and he's just been thrown into this one now because we had that happen with um, the... um, Beth and Alice kind of in a way and just sort yeah. of is that has that happened? I just can't help but like think of different possibilities. That's how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. I mean like I that's love- the fun of legends. It could have been it could have been literally anything. We could have figured out a way mm-hmm. to for it to be anything. <laughs> It could have been really funny because this would have been like the baby season if the entire time Booster was like, nap, don't like kids, don't want kids. Hey, and at children. the end he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll have a kid one day. <laughs> and so they have accidentally like set them all on their own path. Okay, yeah, since we're talking baby baby, um, who would have been the godparent of that kid? <laughs> An impossible question. Um, I don't know, because I feel like it depends if we could get guest stars. It's hard because it's like if you're stuck in jail, do you get visitors from Star City? I don't know. Um, I mean, the guy, I think maybe Gideon, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe that would be in an episode of itself is that everyone's like battling about it. 
Yeah, everyone's just like, I should be the godfather or godmother because you know, I I picture Gary just sitting there quietly, not even arguing about this (laughs) because he's like, I I know I have it in the bag, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that that would be my answer if I was them. I would say Gary because I know that Gary would protect that baby no matter what. Um, so probably yeah, Gary, but and it's it's tough. It is tough. tough. Because I still Especially feel when like you're it time would be traveling. Like, yeah, I feel True. like it would be like Zari 2.0 from Ava and yeah, or yeah, or Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Just the Hunger Games. <laughs> the Hunger Games. The idea of Gary and Zari 2.0 stuck babysitting together is really funny. <laughs> well, also, what if like okay, so like in the terms of the Legends universe, Sarah is capable of Sarah's capable of being cloned, and Ava is Ava. So they don't even need a godparent because then they would just they would just repurpose themselves <laughs> so, over and over yes. again. So the <laughs> so that's how wait that's wait how everybody there has to be, wait that's true there has to be like godparent Ava out there somewhere. Yeah, but if there's <laughs> if there's a godparent Ava, it just turns into hand that rocks the cradle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love clones. <laughs> franchise i just love clones <laughs> so did you have any favorite episodes you did write for out of curiosity um i have so many i loved the frat episode in season five yes that one's so funny with dion um <laughs> like whimsy that one just like makes me laugh uh that one um it was just like the episode 607 where they're finally reunited and they kiss and the fireworks happen it's like i remember i was the script coordinator during that season and like so that's the job where you like kind of proof the script and get it ready for production and all that stuff and so i like got it in my inbox and i'm like reading it i'm like they love each other i'm like right um so that was like very beautiful and touching um I don't know they're just all like and I also think it's just like they're all unique in in the voices of my friends which are the other writers it's like I know a Morgan Faust special or like a Thai or an Oba and like all of them have these like beautiful ways like I also remember getting Phil's um his season 704 704 uh the Fidel Castro episode um I forgot what that one is called but yeah that one like you get it and like it's you know I will always sing the praises of Phil but it's like you get it and you're like yeah this is why he's the boss like it's it's a it's a really freaking good episode of television and it was like so seamless and streamlined and it's like he didn't even like you know like me in my <laughs> early career like looking at this man just like he could have like sneezed it out and it would have been perfect for me so it's they're all just like different beautiful like you know encapsulations of both the characters and you know the people behind them and and that was always just like really cool um and fun so i like the rosie the riveter episode that one was so good too that is a good one Uh, when they're like sitting and eating a sandwich on the thing of the plane like beautifully shot and just uh and leah i know how hard she worked on that and like leah is just so brilliant and her and Morgan just really killed that episode. It's all great. It's all good. 
Okay, here I know this is a season eight thing, but I'm like, if they would have been co-captains, um, Astra and Spooner, and you had Gideon with them, I guess Gary would still be there. But what would Gary be at? Just like the conscience, like Jiminy Cricket. He can pass <laughs> for the. He can pass for the straight white male. <laughs> so that's what, that's what he's for. He's a Jewish alien. He can. <laughs> he, they're like uh, close enough. <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i i guess it would have been like uh i also feel like i would have believed gary would have stayed with if we had to break them up gary would have stayed with sarah and ava just as their protection um as their alien protector but like i don't know i don't know what what shape he would have taken um alien or literally we didn't get there yet <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of makes me up Gary and McGann wore some Supergirl maybe and talking about identity yeah. versus like how you were born versus how you want to present yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. <laughs> season eight. I mean, I guess I could say that like season eight, because we don't have it right now, that means that all fan fiction is canon and it exists. Woo! <laughs> so John, so John and Gary do get Sorry. together somehow. They all kiss. Listen, all fan fiction, as long as it starts off with they were able to time travel away from getting arrested and everything is real except for the really weird stuff, you perverts out there. <laughs> I've seen the paper too. <laughs> yeah, we've we all seen one. <laughs> it's always funny how. um Whenever there's an off season, so I mean, with legends like we're used to long hiatuses, and when you hear something, you just and just a time of speculation happens on how it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until sometimes you almost um oh my I forgot the word but you fake yourself into believing that it's canon like yeah. oh wait it's not because um I mean I'm waiting, for season, I'm waiting for season two of the Bad Batch to come out and I'm still kind of in, wide speculation for what's going to happen there i've done that for doctor who before legends um all the shows all the um sci-fi shows have been invested one yeah. day hannibal season four oh, <laughs> totally <laughs> i mean like here's the thing i like i as a girl that like wrote a lot of fan fiction growing up and also like kind of my job is like professional fan fiction right because like i work on shows that i didn't create so like <laughs> i am doing the fan fiction like, I just feel like to always honor that faith because it is like a, there's something really joyful about taking characters that you already love and you know, and you put them in new situations. And and that is writing. And that is creativity. And I totally get what you're saying that, like, sometimes you, like, get so obsessive about a thing and then you realize, like, oh, wait, that was a thing I made up in my head. <laughs> oh, wait, I, like, believe this thing so much that, like, it can, like I, I have been there. And, like, I just think that that's just, like, a mark of just really accessing, like, a fun and creative part of yourself and Honestly, in a really cool here, way. Here, here, you'll have our, our ultimate headcanon for over 10 million years. Um, we had that long hiatus, and we had that Vandal Savage was Gary's dad at one point. I love that. That's great. I mean, why not? Who can, like, sure, we can make that happen. We have made Stranger Things happen. Like, it's true. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that was also just the fun of writing on Legends, is because it, it does feel like if you really want this thing 
to happen in a, in a respectful way, right? We're not like just blowing it up for the sake of just like being insane. Like I oh, think yeah. we all know, cer- we all know certain fantasy uh, things where all of a sudden it's like that character wouldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't count. But I feel like for this, for legends, part of the fun is, is turning ourselves into pretzels and back. And um, yeah, Vandal Savage, absolutely is Gary's, Gary's dad. <laughs> And yeah. and eventually we'll have another episode where like John and Gary or no Rip and Gary like battle it out. Ooh, that would be tough. That would be crazy. That would be very fun. Yeah. <laughs> be. We still think Gary's the better boyfriend than Rip. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-alien, um, that was the headcanon, but you know what? Post-alien. Mine's already running right now. So now, but so now right it's like So, okay, maybe then to make it happen as Vandal Savage did have a human guy named Gary. But then that when aliens look, were like look, occasionally coming down. If, wait, if Mick and Kayla could have kids, Vandal Savage could have been his father still. God. I'm just Oh kidding. my god. Absolutely. <laughs> we could get really weird with it. <laughs> oh my god, that Mick and Kayla thing. <laughs> We wrote that so raunchy, like the version of the script that like we knew that was not gonna get made. It was just like really obscene. And then we're like, okay, we can't go this far. And, like <laughs> That's amazing. Um how it goes. <laughs> That's one of the things I kind of wish we could get to in season eight. I would have liked even maybe not seeing them again, but like seeing Necria or like where Gary and Kayla are from and like we hear so much about it. It'd just be fun to see. I mean, we... yeah. I, I, yeah, and I also like to know the whole background of Kayla and Gary because Kayla didn't seem like the best match for him and she seemed a little abusive towards him. So it's like, how'd this work? Yeah. And so it was absolutely, and this goes into Gary's psychology because we did talk about this. Um, it was an arranged marriage, but that is the women of Necria, the female version of speeches in Necria, like they are all, um, very like they're supposed to be dominant and scary which is why Gary also has his kind of submissive thing because like that reminds him of home and so he was kind of but like in the match it was just like it was just not working because even though Gary was submissive he also like dreamed of better things and like going places and stuff so it was more mm-hmm. Gary's wanderlust that made them not a match than like her terrifying nature this story is supposed to be that Nekria is essentially <laughs> Dathomir from Star Wars. <laughs> 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 sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I just like think about this and big Star Wars heads. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched a lot of the new stuff because I was getting like kind of quite frankly, I was like, oh my god, there's too much stuff. I never thought in my my whole life I would say there's too much Star Wars stuff. But then I was like, "There's too much Star Wars stuff," so I have to pick. I have to pick back up. I hear Andor is awesome. So amazing. Okay, great. Maybe that's what I'll do <laughs> today. I'm. I am. I was in a really bad place a few a few years ago, and um, I saw like bad bad pop in my TikTok, and Mary's the one who got me. Um, watch. She's got me watching the Clone Wars fault. and that, and this like. Consuming so much more Star Wars helped like pick myself up and move on after getting a lot of crap happening. 
that's so important i mean that's like and i think that like you know we see geek culture has changed a lot over like you know the past 10 20 years or so but yeah to me it really feels like there's a reason why this kind of geeky nerdy stuff is so important and it's because it is capable of like lifting us all out of like those moments because it like there's just like nothing for me it was like star wars and also like lord of the rings like that stuff for me was just like the world could be ending for me like existentially right like mordor is is popping and we're all gonna die existentially but like there's a group of friends that are gonna go and like solve the problem and like that just like knowing that and feeling that i'm like like it's just there's nothing like that and i really just all of kind of that fantasy stuff, like where people used to get made fun of for, you know, Doctor Who and all that stuff. It's like, no, people are finally recognizing that like the reason why this stuff is so important is because it like healed us in times that like we we felt like we were at, you know, like the most bleakest, darkest points in our lives. And that's why I love like genre writing is because you could just really like make it all fantastical, make, you know, every kind of pain that you have into like, an adventure to be saved or something. I love that. Yeah, and it, if you know the groups, uh, this group's background is literally we all found each other through Constant Green and Gary. So, yeah, oh, uh, that's how we all found each other through a server, and then from there it's just like find, found family and, and stuff. It was like even, amazing. Even beyond us, I know other people who have bonded together because of legends or other shows in the Arrowverse, and it's just they it's it's really great to see how not only like it can give you like hope in yourself but again to get through something but it can also give you um the people you didn't realize you needed in your life absolutely and no matter what like it all just like and it changes right like even if legends is technically like not on television i'm not gonna say it's over but like even if it was like you guys still have each other and you all are growing with you know the next thing is, the next thing the bad batch that like you know it's like it's all that it's kind honestly of, like, there growth. is there is yeah we found other things like uh interview with a vampire uh our flags meet death there's so many yes. things on tv mm-hmm. that it's like still in the you know queer culture geek culture is great yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i just like i love that's why it's just like i lo- i take I'm so honored to like my first foray into like my my career that I've wanted forever. I mean, like before Legends, I was bartending and just wishing I could be a TV writer, you know. And I am so happy that I found Legends because I felt like a lot of my other, you know, like earlier in my 20s, I was like trying to like pretend not to be a big nerd and pretend, pretending not to like take it, you know, not to give a shit and like care so personally about this kind of stuff. But Legends was like, no, it's good that you care. That means that you're like one of us <laughs> and like be one of us and be nerdy with us and like be kind of obsessive. And, and you know, it's just like, that was everything. It was really great. I'm feelings now. <laughs> oh, don't <laughs> feel Well, we could all okay. be in our feelings always. <laughs> Sad feelings. Bad feelings. Bad feelings. No, I, I still say that song that Cheyenne sings the next last episode is the ultimate legends song mm-hmm. and goodbye to be honest mm-hmm. by yeah, my side 
yeah 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 okay. oh god that like whole thing of just like watching that episode too it's like oh my god like did we did it was our accidental goodbye yeah we didn't love that <laughs> we were like oh we shouldn't have done this but i mean something yeah, we needed though we did was, need that episode yeah mm-hmm. and it was and yeah and it was fun and I haven't, I actually haven't re I've rewatched a lot of them, but I haven't rewatched that one because it, it still makes me sad. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, I'm working on a show now with a few more legends. It's a very different show, a uh, few more of the, the writers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, and I always feel like we are like the weirdos because we still talk about it. And people are like, what did you do on that show? And I was like, well, I had like three meetings because Amelia Earhart's alien butt didn't fit in the chair that it needed to. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. And so I feel like we're like, we're, we're on this new thing that I think is going to be really amazing. I think you guys are going to dig it, but it's, it's still very different from legends. <laughs> and so I feel like we're like the weirdos in the corner being like, well, if this was an alien, we could do this at the other thing. <laughs> it's outside the box thinking. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we we hopefully we'll stop talking about legend soon because I'm sure we're like those kids that like you know we're like all right, we get it. It was a special show. Shut up. <laughs> um, I think we're out of questions for now. Anyone else have? My other two hosts, do you have any other questions? I think we, I oh, think yeah. How, what show are you on now? What show are you writing for now? So I am currently writing for a show called The Company You Keep. Um, it premieres on ABC in February 19th. Um, it stars Milo Ventimiglia, who's very handsome, yes. and um, Sarah Wayne Callis from Walking Dead, who's awesome. Um, there, our cast is really cool. I think you guys are going to really like them. Uh, William Fickner um, and uh, this a newcomer called Catherine Kim, who's just so cool. And it's essentially a sexy spy uh, little drama Ooh. where a spy and a con man fall in love. And- I'm sold. <laughs> I am sold, too. Excellent. Okay, I'm sold. So I don't know if we could go as vampire, uh, as as sexy vampire as we can, as AMC can get, because it is still a family show on ABC. But it's at ten o'clock, so I think we might get a butt or something. Uh, like that was it. like our big yeah. thing. Was like, can we do butts? Like, <laughs> you, can throw, you can throw out a hallucination here and there, probably. Absolutely, uh, and you may or may not see some some Legends cast members pop in. It is also uh, Phil is co-show running it along with a oh. really amazing woman named Julia Cohen. Hint, so hint, we Adam, do have Adam. Hint. <laughs> Listen, I I don't know in, like what's going on. I just know that like whenever they're like, and who should we cast for blank? We're just like, wait out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, we'll get through the rotation eventually. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good show. It's got some legends blood, including Morgan Faust and Matt Mala and myself. Oh, friend. you have That's me awesome. sold. Do you, yeah, you have I'm me sold. sold. I'm on board. But we'll yeah. write on Twitter to write it and see it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna mark it on my whiteboard, my fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. And thing I thought for a period of time we were supposed to premiere during the Super Bowl, and thankfully we don't premiere during the Super Bowl. Oh, so. No, no, it's Great. better that you don't. Yeah, I was like, who? <laughs> Did anyone Google this? Um, no, it's gonna be really fun. I think you guys are gonna like it. So I'm so excited, and thank you so much for coming to talk to us today it's been so much fun you know i love i i am so honored that we that legends have like 
fans and that, you know, I can talk to you guys. Like it makes me feel cool. And <laughs> we feel cool. <laughs> and I'm just so I'm, I'm proud that we, you know, I'm proud of legends and I'm, I think we're just a cool bunch and I think it's, I don't know. Now I'm in my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to wrap this um, wrap this episode for Legends of Next Week. Again, um, thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, just uh, as our plugs, you can follow us on Twitter with Legends of ne- uh, Legends of Next Week Twitter. I forgot our handle. Sorry, <laughs> at Week Legends. <laughs> now I'm in my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can also always email us at legendsofnextweek uh, at gmail.com if you just want to come and blab with us about the show send us some emails and we're also on instagram uh, at legends of next week and so that's gonna do it for us this week i'm your host mary i'm eden and i'm kate <laughs> oh and i'm i'm emily <laughs> bye <laughs> bye guys <laughs> bye guys i will we will definitely see you some other week Bye, guys. Bye.